Every time I sing our national anthem, I get excited and I think about God keeping our land. Man. It's going to take something from us though, isn't it? Would you take your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31 again. While you're turning there, I just want to mention some, someone in our church that's really struggling. Uh, Shirley Sims, um, many of you probably should know her, but maybe don't. Um, she used to sit over here um, back on this side about three quarters of the way back. And she has been, had cancer for quite some time now. And uh, she was at the doctor's this past week and they have basically said her body is full of cancer and it's just a matter of time. Um, she does not want anybody to come over and see her, um, but she really does enjoy receiving some mail, some cards, or phone call. So if you know her or, you know, have a burden for people like that, would you please just write her a card um, or give her a call this week and just encourage her. She's a saved lady. Um, she, she knows she's going to heaven, but she just needs some encouragement right now. And uh, I just ask that you would do that. And we're, we're focusing in on Shirley today, but there are people all across our congregation that are going through difficult times. And I challenge you, get to know those people. And um, our staff is good about trying to reach out to those people, but it is far better when they get multiple phone calls from multiple people. We need to care about each other. And uh, we're a church, we're family, and we need to care about each other. So if you would uh, do that, um, I'm sure she would appreciate that. And uh, if you don't know who, who she is or um, don't know her address or something like that, please give us a call this week, and uh, we'll try and help you out with that. All right? Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. We, uh, we went through this passage last week, and uh, the, 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 the title of the message last week was, Is God Among Us? And uh, we actually skipped over verse 19 last week. We read to verse 18, jumped to verse 20. But I want you to see something very interesting here in verse 19. The Bible says this, Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it to the children of Israel. This is God instructing Moses. Write this song, teach it to the children of Israel, put it in their mouths. Why? That this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. You see, if you'll remember from last week, Moses was told that the children of Israel were going to commit whoredoms against God. They were going to go against God. They were going to be their own people. They were going to serve other gods. They were going to serve the gods of the strangers of the land. And so Moses is instructed to write down a song and teach it to the children of Israel. The whole purpose of the song was to be a witness to the children of Israel of God and who he really is to them. If you will, it would be a reminder for them. It would be a song that they would sing and, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do some of these things we are given the privilege of being able to see what the song is. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 32. We will look through this. So I want to actually, hopefully, Pastor Holland kind of stole the thunder, but really every single day should be a day of remembrance. Listen to me, hear me. God should be at our forefront all the time. God should be, we should remember what he did for us all the time. 
And so if you will, this is the song of remembrance. That's what the title of the message today is, the song of remembrance. Now we, we won't read the entire song this morning. It's quite a lengthy passage, but it is my opinion that the song has five parts. Five parts that we should be able to look at in our lives and understand how it is that we lose and fall from God. Number one, I want you to see it's a proper view of God. We see a proper view of God. You see this in verse 1 to 6 all the way through uh, here in, verse, in chapter 32. I want to show you that. And verse 4 is probably the key verse of this whole passage. It says, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Man, that's a proper view of God. That's a wonderful view of God. He is the rock. He, everything he does is perfect. Do you believe that? Do you believe that everything that God does is perfect? Do you believe that even though he may give you something that you never wanted, that it's perfect? That God may put you through a trial or a test, but it's perfect. You see, our view of God should be one of awe and amazement. I think sometimes we lose that. I think in, 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 our, in our society, we, we lose the fact of who God is. We should trust God with every part of our lives. He is just and right. He's a God of truth. He's without iniquity. He is the creator. He created every one of us. He put everything that has ever been given to man. He gave it all. Jesus Christ, God, is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is our great God. We need to have a proper view of God. The second thing that I want you to see is how God views us, which is always an interesting thing. Jump down to verse 7. This is through 7 to 10. You see this break. But actually, I want to focus in on verse 10. He found him in a desert land. This is God speaking about Israel. And in the waste, howling wilderness, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Man, God sees us. He instructs us. He brought us out of the wilderness. He shows us and he keeps us as the apple of his eye. Something so special. Something that you almost put on a shelf and say, don't break that, kids. It's amazing that God views us as that. God views us as a bunch of dead people. We're dead in our sins. God looked down and had mercy on us and loved us with an unconditional love and said, I want to quicken you. I want to make you alive. And so God so loved the world that he gave because of God's view for us. And that's the second, third part, excuse me, what God gave to us. What God gave to us found in verses 11 to 14. Again, I want to focus in on verse 13. Again, speaking of Israel, he made him ride on the high places of the earth. That he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock. And oil out of the flinty rock. Verse 14. Butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams and the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of the kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grave. Basically, the blessings of God just keep rolling in. God gave us not 
Although we have lived in Canada and have so many blessings, he gave us his only begotten son. Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God not only gave us his son, he gave us the opportunity to have an eternal home in heaven with him. To be in a relationship with him on this earth. To walk hand in hand with him. To receive the blessings of Jesus Christ and the blessings of God. God gave us. To have unhindered excuse me, fellowship with him. But interestingly enough, as we kind of covered last week, we forget God. Fourth point. We forget God. Verse 18. You see this through verse 15 to 18. Verse 18, of the rock that begat thee. Well, notice this. Thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. You see, there are times in our lives where we forget who God is. Through circumstances. Through wealth. As we looked last week through the, the waxen fat, we just have so much that we forget we need God. We forget how God views us. We forget that he loves us unconditionally. We forget what he did for us and we wander away. We're distracted by anything that's shiny. Ooh, that looks nice and we turn aside. We look at anything that's new. We look at anything that will promise us some sort of happiness and we forget God and the children of Israel did the same thing. We see that in this song. And then the rest of the chapter, the rest of the chapter from verse 19 to verse 43, the Bible shows us God's response. And it's not a very exciting one. Look at verse 19. When the Lord saw it, watch this, he abhorred them. God who unconditionally loved them brought them out of the wilderness, did so much for them, when they turned away, God abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and his daughters. And it continues. It doesn't get any better than that. Continues all the way through and says, God felt the pain of the rejection. The pain of the rejection. This song is quite pointed. The song is quite pointed and it is, is quite uh, some, not something that I would enjoy singing all the time. It wouldn't be one of those encouraging songs. But it's a reminder of what the children of Israel should be focused on. I don't know about you, but I like to listen to music. I love music. And it's interesting how music sticks in your brain. I used to listen to country music when I was a teenager. I don't recommend that. Just for the record. I used to listen to country music and still to this day, it's been 15 years since I listened to my last country music song. I still remember those songs. I can hear it playing in a grocery store and it will immediately, and it will stay with me. It's incredible. Music is an incredible thing. And that's why I believe God gave them a song. Because it was something that would stick with them. It was something that they could remember from. But in every song I find this, there are certain lines in the song that mean more than the rest of the song. There are certain lines that I just sing over and over and over and over and over again. 
And I, they, they just mean so much to me. They could be different for other people. They have some deep meaning. They're the ones that I can't get out of my head. I believe this song has three such lines. Three lines that really pop out to me in this entire chapter. Three such lines, and I would like to take a look at these three lines. I'd like to take a look at these three statements and show how they correspond to how we fall away from God. Why in the world did the children of Israel have to have a song? Because someday they're going to fall away. Why in the world should we be listening to this message this morning? Probably because someday we're going to fall away. And I want you to see how it happens. I want you to jump back to verse 15, chapter 32, verse 15. The Bible says this. But Jeshurun, which is another name for Israel, waxed fat. Here we are again. And kicked. Thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Notice this. Then he forsook God, which made him. And watch this. Lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. See what's happening? Jump down to verse 18. The Bible says this, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. You see, the terms that I want you to see is that they lightly esteemed him. Lightly esteemed him and they are unmindful. If I can put it into one word, I would love to just put it into unmindful. First thing that we see is that we are unmindful mindful of God. The first step in the wrong direction, the first step in needing to remember this song is that we are unmindful of God. Now I want you to picture this. It's Remembrance Day. Why do we put places, put, put days as special days? Why do we remember? Why do we make it a priority? Why do we put a day aside that we will remember? You know why? Because we become unmindful of it. If we didn't have Remembrance Day, how many of us would just take November 11th and just continue to go through it as if nothing ever happened? I guarantee we would. I guarantee it. Because that's human nature. We become unmindful. I have a phone in my pocket. It is my mind. I put everything on the calendar because I need to remember that things are going on. And I need to remember that I have appointments with people. And listen, when I write it down, it's amazing how it becomes mindful. And I know that I have things coming up. But if I forget to write it down, some of you have been the uh, poor uh, recipient of me not writing something down. And I apologize for that. Out of sight, out of mind, Right? See, the children of Israel became unmindful of God. They became unmindful of who he was. We don't think about him. We, put him on our, we don't put him on our priority list. He doesn't quite hold the prominent seat in our thought process anymore. Oh, God might be back there somewhere in our thought process. Men have boxes and women have wires. You know, for men, he might be back, way back in the back in the box. Women, maybe it's down deep in the wires, just, just kind of forget about them. Not at the forefront of our minds anymore. 
Oh, there'll be times when we'll pull God out and we'll go, God, I need you because some troubling time has come up. But until that happens, we don't give God a second thought. Most people have things on their minds that are paramount to them, that are in front of them every single day, the things that are, that are, that are pertinent to their lives. You know, what's on my mind every day is work. I go to work every day. It's on my mind. My kids, my wife, eating is on my mind quite often. All of these things are on my mind because they're pertinent to my daily life. I want to take you over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Not an unfamiliar passage, but relates very well. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, the Bible says this. Therefore I say unto you, watch this now, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, man, that's convicting. Or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his, unto his stature? And, and, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe ye, clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Watch this now, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. The world, that's, that's what the world seeks after. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Watch now, verse 33. But seek ye first. What? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not our righteousness. His righteousness. And then all of these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall, uh, shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You see, very clearly, Jesus himself on the mount says this. Don't think about those other things. Don't think about what's coming tomorrow. Don't think about the, the good. And don't, don't think about where your meal is going to come from. Don't think about what you're going to put on. Don't think about all these other things until you have thought about me. Man. Every morning I wake up, probably the first thought that pops into my head is, what do I have to do today? And I have to train myself to, God, what do you want me to do today? You see, it's a completely different view it's a completely different thought process. But if I think, what do I have to do today? I've just took the first step in being unmindful of God. I don't care how you have to do it. I don't care if you have to put it in your calendar. I don't care if you have to write it on your mirror so that when you walk into the mirror and you look at your crazy hair in the morning and you go, I need to think about God this morning. 
I mean, God did tell the children of Israel, write it on the frontlets and put it on the doorpost. Put it everywhere you can so that you are mindful of me all the time. We become unmindful of God. You know, we, we become mindful of our next meal. We become mindful of what we're going to wear. We become mindful of our next bank deposit. When's that money going to come in? And that we forget to be mindful of God. To be intentionally mindful of God. We busy our mind with all kinds of things. We busy our mind with all kinds of things that we want to do. But understand this, they are temporal things. They are earthly things. And when we fill our minds with those things, we don't have enough space for God. We don't have enough time for God. Well, some trouble will come up and then we'll need God again. We are unmindful of God. But I want you to know this. God, as big as he is, understand this, is always mindful of us. Every person in this room, there might be 100 people here today. Every person he is mindful of. He knows the very hairs that are on your head. Go to Psalm chapter 8 quickly with me. Psalm chapter 8. In verse 3. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3, the Bible says this. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. He says, listen, God, you've got so many things. You've, you've done so much. Watch this. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou, watch, visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Listen, God, almighty God, looks down at you and knows you and is mindful of you and is always watching over you and is, is spending time with you and he's knocking on the door as we talked about last week and he wants to be with you. God is always mindful of you. There's an old song song title is, When He Was on the Cross, I Was on His Mind. Isn't that an incredible thought? That when God was suffering anguish, when God was suffering through the entire thing, the only thing that He could think of, this is the will of my Father, that all men, have an opportunity to accept me as a personal savior. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. God thinks about you. And so often we get so distracted by the next thing that comes out or the shiny thing or this, that, or the other thing. Or it could be even good things, our families or our jobs, the things that God has given us. But understand this, we need to be mindful of God. He is mindful of us. Hey, do you know this? God has an expected end for us. God has a thing that he wants to give us. For the children of Israel, it was the promised land. He had an expected end for them to conquer the promised land, to get in and, and take over and enjoy the, the milk and the honey. He had an expected end. 
I want you to see the second point, which is found in our passage in verse 28. The second line of this song that really sticks out to me. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 28. The Bible says this. For they are a nation, speaking of Israel, void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Watch this verse 29. Here it is. Oh, that they were wise. That they understood this. Here it is, that they would consider their latter end. If I'm going to put this into one word, it would be that we think we're invincible. Guys are famous for this, aren't we? We do stupid stuff. I remember jumping off a tree in our backyard, and there was a rope. I thought, oh, I'll jump on the rope and swing down and get myself out of this tree. Jumped on the rope, it broke. And there were, it wasn't just ground, it was, you know, those really hard roots that grow out of the ground? That's the type of tree this was, and I landed on those. Then I woke up in the bathroom. I don't know how I got there. Knocked me unconscious. Let's do that again. That's the way guys think, right? We think we're invincible. We do some pretty ridiculous things. If I had a nickel for every time I heard I have an old sports injury. Or when I was a kid, I did this, and that's why I am the way I am. Guys do stupid things. Why? Because they think they're invincible. They think nothing can touch them. But we never seem to consider our latter end, do we? Man, my knees are killing me. You don't think about it. We don't think about that, how this is going to affect my body when I'm 60 or 70 years old. Back pain. All kinds of different things. You see, there are so many times in our lives that we make decisions for now. Right now. Man, I did some stupid things that I thought, man, this is going to be fun right now. I didn't consider my latter end. I didn't consider how this would all end up. We live our lives for right now, don't we? We want things done right now. We want what we want right now. We spend money because of what we want right now. We eat junk food. Oh, because we want it now. We don't think about our latter end. You know, sometimes we look at things because that we shouldn't look at because we want satisfaction now. There's, I mean, I could, you could fill in the blank with all kinds of different things of things that we want now, but in, in our minds we want it now when we think, this isn't going to hurt me. I eat junk food all the time. I'm 31 years old. I can do that apparently. Somebody said on the trip this weekend, you better be careful. When you get to my age, your metabolism slows down. Right? Most of you know that. But I'm invincible right now. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. All of these different things. And never, never think about my latter end. I want you to understand this. There are so many times that we make those decisions based on now. But know this. When we live for now we miss out on God's expected end. God has an expected end for you. God had an expected end for the children of Israel, the promised land. And when we live for now, when we do what we want to do, and we go whoring after other gods, and we live our lives the way that we want to live, we miss out and we never get to see God's expected end. You know the children of Israel are still looking for God's expected end? 
They're still fighting. They're still warring. They're still trying to get the land that God has promised them. They don't have it all yet. God is, has an expected end for every person in here today. The decisions you are making today are, are they are affecting your future. I don't care how old you are. The decisions you make today are affecting your future. What I buy today is affecting my retirement plan. What I live for today is affecting my family. You see, we don't ever understand that. We never consider our latter end. We all know people who have decided that they're going to live according to their own desires. Some of you probably are in that boat. I did live according to my own desires. Man, I wish I could go back. We know people that have continued to live that way. We know that they did not fare well because of those decisions. You see, God has given us his word. And God has shown us his expected end. God has given us exactly what he wants. And people continually try to test the theory. I remember talking to some people, and they would just say something like this, I just want to figure it out on my own. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not that way. There are some things that I do. I enjoy trying to figure out some things on my own. I'm an instruction reader. I know, I'm not a man because of that. But I would so much rather get it done in half an hour than take four hours and have parts left over. God is, and the interesting thing is, mine always looks like it's supposed to look. I've seen some people put stuff together and it didn't look like it was supposed to look. But see, God's given us an expected end. It's all right here. You've got to read the instruction manual. Do you consider your expected end? Do you live for eternity or do you live for now? Are you living for, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or are you living for, man, that felt good? You see, we need to live for an expected end. We need to consider our latter end. You are not invincible. Be sure your sin will find you out. There is a latter end. and We must consider it. The question is this. Why should we always do these things? What is the point of all this? Why should we always consider our latter end? Why should we always be mindful of Christ? Give me some value here. Now the song is ended in these two lines, but really Moses kind of sums up the song. I want you to see one last part of this. Verse 46 and 47. I'm sorry, I said that 43 was the end of the chapter. It actually continues on. Verse 46 and 47. Actually, verse 45 says, And Moses made an end of speaking all these words to all Israel. And he said unto them, watch this now, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe and do all the words of this law. Verse 47, For it is not a vain thing for you. It's not empty. There's a reason for it. What is the reason? Here it is. Because it is your life. It is your life, and through this thing, ye shall prolong your days in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. I want you to understand, it's your life we're talking about. 
if I could put that into one word, valuable. Valuable. What's valuable? Your personal life is valuable. Again, as, as young men, we don't think about dying. We don't think about jumping off this bridge is probably not going to kill me. It looks like fun. Let's do this. We don't think about dying, but the older you get, the more valuable your life becomes. The more you realize the value of family, the value of your own personal life. It is your life. It's not a vain thing for you to live according to this song. It's not a vain thing for you to remember God. It's not a vain thing for you to consider your latter end. Because it's your life. The importance of keeping God in remembrance is that your life is at stake. Let me say that again. The importance of keeping God in remembrance is that your life is at stake. So you're saying I'm going to die if I don't keep God as my importance? No, I'm not saying that. You're not going to necessarily fall over dead right away. But understand this, your life will be wasted. Your life will be wasted. It will be nothing. It will be as if you weren't even here. It will be wasted. God has something very specific, as I said before, planned for every one of us. But very few of us ever fully possess it. Very few of us ever really understand what God can actually do with a life given to him. The children of Israel didn't understand what God could do to conquer the land. And so many of us, we look around and understand this. We read stories, we read the books of the Bible, and we go, wow, that's amazing. And we look at people like Adoniram Judson, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, all of these different guys that we hold up high, Charles Spurgeon, and we go, wow, that's amazing. You can too. You can too. You can give your life to God. You can say to him, God, it's, 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 it's valuable to you. In a great house, there are vessels. Some to honor and some to dishonor. The ones that are honorable are meat for the master's use. We need to live our lives in such a way that keep God in mind and that consider our latter end because it's our personal life. But understand this, it doesn't stop with our personal life. Look again at verse uh, 46. And he said unto them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command, watch this, your children, to observe and to do all the words of this law. See, it's not just your personal life, it's your also prolonged life. Your prolonged life is valuable. You will prolong your days in the land, as verse 47 says, if you walk with God and teach your children to walk with God. Their children will teach their children to walk with God. And it will just continue. You will prolong your days. I believe we are in a post-Christian society. And we have not prolonged our days because we did not teach our children to be mindful. 
We did not teach our children to consider their latter end. Went to a session this last week talking about how to have the heart of your family. I so badly want my children to know God. I don't want them to know me. Because someday I'm not going to be there for them. I want them to know God. But listen, understand this. If I don't know him, why in the world would they know him? If I'm not mindful of him, why in the world would they be mindful of him? If I don't consider my latter end, why in the world would they consider their latter end? Listen, we're not talking about a valuable life. We're talking about valuable lives for generations upon generations to come. If one link in the chain is broken, it completely affects the next generation. A life lived for God is a valuable thing. You know what God does? God rewards that value when you get to heaven. You know what he rewards it with? Valuable things. Gold, silver, precious stones. So let me ask you a question. What is it going to take for you to remember God? What is it going to take for you to keep him near and dear to your heart? You see, the children of Israel have Deuteronomy chapter 32, a song that they can go to for remembrance. What's it going to be for you? All of us work differently and all of us have different decisions to make and all of us have different ways that we remember things. Figure something out and remember God. Keep God close. Why? Because your life and your future depends on it. The future of Canada Depends on it. The future of St. Thomas, the future of your family depends on it. It's very valuable.